We will read, first of all, the text for the sermon this morning, which is Hebrews 11, verse 28. And then we will turn back to Exodus 12 and read the history. Hebrews 11, verse 28, the text for the sermon. Through faith he, Moses, kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Turn back now to Exodus 12, and we read the first 28 verses of Exodus 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you, when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be an holy convocation. 
And in the seventh day there shall be an holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Ye shall eat nothing leavened, in all your habitations shall ye eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass, when ye be come to the land which the Lord shall give you, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass, when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and, and went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. We stop our reading of God's holy and infallible word at that point. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the previous verse in Hebrews 11 The 27th verse tells us that Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. But the fact that Moses has already forsaken Egypt does not mean that Moses has yet left Egypt. Moses and the Israelites still are captives down in the land of Egypt. At this point, at the time of This text, the 28th verse of Hebrews 11, nine of the ten 
plagues have been accomplished. And after each of those plagues, God has once again hardened the heart of Pharaoh so that Pharaoh would not let God's people go. But now God has yet one more plague that He is going to send upon the Egyptians. This will be a plague which manifests the holiness and the justice of God. Exodus 12, verse 12, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. It will be a plague that will set forth the fact that God is a just God who holds people accountable for the sins which they have committed against Him. It will be a plague that will stir up fear in the hearts even of the wicked Egyptians so that they would understand that it is indeed a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But it would also be a plague that would show the mercy and the compassion and the love of God for His children. For not everyone would be destroyed or consumed by this final plague. But there would be a way out, an escape for the children of God. It would be an escape that of themselves they could not have found nor established, but it would be a way out that God Himself gave unto them, showed unto them, provided for them. And it's that way out, that escape, that we look at this morning as we look at Moses and the Israelites keeping the first Passover. The keeping of the Passover. Two points we consider this morning. First, we'll see that this was instituted by God. And second, we'll see that it was and is celebrated by faith. Instituted by God, celebrated by faith. What was the Passover that Hebrews 11 verse 28 informs us that Moses and the Israelites kept? Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. It was not just Moses who kept the Passover, though it says he kept the Passover, but it was Moses with all of the covenant nation of Israel. Lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. The final word being plural, indicating that God spared them as a nation. So what was this Passover that the nation of Israel kept? 
What we must understand about the Passover is that the Passover is primarily about a sacrifice. For us to understand what is the essence of the Passover and what is the application of the Passover for your life as well as for mine, we must have on the forefront of our minds the reality that the Passover was a sacrifice. Certainly there were other elements of the Passover. There was the fact that they were to be careful about making sure that they had enough people in their home to eat all of the meat. And if you didn't have enough people in your home to eat all of that lamb, then you were to go out and with your neighbor in conjunction find a lamb to eat and to kill. There was the clothing that they were to wear as they ate of the Passover. The Scriptures tell us that they were to have their loins girded. They were to have their clothing on. They were to have shoes upon their feet. And they were to have their staff in their hand, which indicates a preparedness, a readiness on behalf of God's people to go out away from the captivity of Egypt. There was the unleavened bread and the bitter herbs that they were to eat as they had the the, the Passover. The bitter herbs being a reminder unto the Israelites of their cruel captivity during their years in Egypt. Many different things that we can speak of in relation to the Passover. But what we must never lose sight of is that central to the Passover was a gruesome and a bloody death. The death of the Lamb. Hebrews 11, verse 28, calls attention to that reality when the inspired writer says, through faith He kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. And that phrase, and the sprinkling of blood, is not to be understood as a separate event from the Passover. But that phrase, and the sprinkling of blood, is to be understood as a further explanation of the Passover. This is what the Passover was. It was the splattering of blood upon the doorposts of the homes. Blood. The command of God was this, that on the tenth day of the month, Abib, which correlates with our month, April, the head of the home was to go out and he was to find a lamb. He was to go out to his flock, and from his flock he was to select out a lamb. If this head of the home had but a small family, perhaps just him and his wife, perhaps just a young infant in home with them, and there would not then be enough people in the home to eat all of that lamb, then the Word of God was that they were to go out in conjunction with a neighbor. There was not to be any waste after they finished eating this lamb. 
In the tenth month, they would go out then, the tenth day of the month, they would go out and select this lamb. They were not just to take at random a lamb from the sheepfold, but there were specifications according to the Word of God about this lamb. This lamb was to be a young lamb. It was to be a kid. It was to be a lamb that had nothing physically or evidently wrong with it. To be a lamb without blemish. A lamb that did not have any broken bones in it. A lamb that was evidently healthy and would grow up to be an adult sheep. They were then to take this lamb on the tenth day of the month and separate it. And for the next four days, this lamb would be separate. And then on the fourteenth day of the month, it was the duty of the head of the home to take this lamb, to kill it, to drain the blood from the lamb, to collect that blood in a basin, and then to sprinkle that blood, literally splatter that blood upon the doorposts of the home. Today we might say he would sprinkle it upon the frame that goes around the front door. The purpose, the reason for sprinkling this blood upon the doorposts was to spare the life of the firstborn. God had warned that on the 14th night of the month there would go throughout the whole land of Egypt, including the land of Goshen, where the Israelites dwelt, the angel of death. This angel of death, commissioned by God Himself, would go forth indiscriminately, killing any firstborn whether it be man or beast, of anyone who occupied a home where there was not blood sprinkled over the doorpost. We can hardly imagine the horror that this must have meant for the Egyptians on that night as the angel of death went from home to home and as the cold hand of death reached into the homes and seemingly ruthlessly took away the firstborn of each and every family. It did not matter whether one was rich, whether one occupied a powerful and a prominent position in the land of Egypt, or whether one was poor and lowly and but a servant in the land of Egypt. Indiscriminately, the angel of death went forth and killed any Firstborn son, where there was not blood. It seems perhaps almost to be unfair. Why is it that this angel of death would go forth and touch the firstborn? What if the firstborn was a three month old baby in the cradle? What if the firstborn was a young man or a young woman who had a bright future ahead of them? Why? 
why the firstborn? It wasn't that the firstborn were particularly wicked in comparison to the second and third and fourth born, children born in the families. But the reason that God singled out the firstborn is that the firstborn represents the strongest and the best. And as the angel of death went throughout the land of Egypt, destroying the strongest and the best of the land, God was giving an expression of His judgment upon Egypt. It would not just be the firstborn who would be killed according to the justice and judgment of God, but it would be all of Egypt who had come under the condemnation of God. And yet, God provided a way out for His children by means of taking that that lamb, that innocent lamb without any blemish or injury, the Israelites escaped this judgment of God. Why? Why did God give unto the Israelites this way out? What I hope we can see this morning, beloved, is that it was only because of the love and the mercy of God that He gave unto the Israelites this means of deliverance from that angel of death who went throughout Egypt. It was not because the Israelites deserved such a deliverance that God gave unto them that lamb. The Israelites of themselves deserved to have their firstborn killed just as the Egyptians had. We mustn't imagine in our minds that there is this stark contrast between how the Egyptians lived and how, on the other hand, the Israelites lived. We mustn't imagine that the Egyptians were rotten to the core, and that the Egyptians alone were idolaters, and that the Egyptians alone had turned to gods of the belly and gods of food and gods of the lust of the flesh. But in distinction from that, there stands this holy and this pious nation of Israel that lives in wholehearted devotion and dedication unto God. Oh, that wasn't the case. But later history teaches unto us that the Israelites had come under the influence of the Egyptians. The golden calf incident shows that the Israelites were well acquainted with the false gods of the Egyptians and even had some sympathy in their hearts for the worship of these false gods. Later on, when the Israelites were out in the wilderness and the Israelites murmured and complained against Moses and complained against God for being out there in the wilderness and said, would that we would be back in Egypt where at least we had food to satisfy the desires of the flesh. These are indications that Israel as a nation was not so distinct from Egypt as a nation. 
It was not of themselves that the Israelites were made to differ from the Egyptians. And even where the Israelites were different from the Egyptians, the Israelites by nature still were sinful. Even where the Israelites had not gone out and taken the gods of Egypt into their homes, even where the Israelites had not lived in wantonness, seeking the pleasures of the flesh instead of serving Jehovah God, the Israelites still, by nature, did not merit this deliverance from the angel of death. Why did God give unto Israel the Passover? Because of God's love and His mercy upon His elect people. It was because God from before the foundations of the world had ordained that these people who had come forth from the loins of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would be His people. A holy people peculiar unto the Lord. God did not forget about His people when they were captives in Egypt. God did not forsake His people because of the sins which they had committed or because of their assimilation into the ways of Egypt. But God, in His mercy, visited them and gave unto them a gift a gift that they could never have worked for themselves, a deliverance that they could never have provided of their own striving. God gave them the Lamb. And by way of that Lamb's blood being spilt, the Israelites would be delivered. By faith, they kept the Passover. Faith is the reason they celebrated that very first Passover. We mustn't imagine that it was exclusively fear of death that motivated the Israelites to go out and to select that lamb that would be killed. It's true that the Israelites had been warned, this is what will happen if you do not go find that lamb and kill that lamb. They knew that their firstborn would be killed, just as happened to the Egyptians. But we mustn't imagine that that fear of the death of the firstborn was the primary or even the central reason why they went out and went and gathered that lamb and killed that lamb. If that were the case, then it would not be faith that motivated and compelled the Egyptians to keep the Passover, but it would have been fear that had motivated and compelled them to keep that Passover. And fear and faith stand over against one another. Faith is 
a certain confidence in God. Faith is assurance that God will deal with me not as I deserve to be dealt, but God will deal with me very graciously. And so it could not have been fear then that motivated them to go out and find that lamb, but faith. Faith which is confidence in God, which rests upon the Word of the Lord. Faith. But let's be more specific here. How? did the Israelites show faith as they went out and found that lamb? Two things which help show here specifically the faith of the Israelites. First, we see the faith of the Israelites and Moses in this, that this was the very first time that they were to keep the Passover. See, we have the advantage of being at a late date in history where we can look back upon what happened to the Israelites. We know the conclusion of the story. And because we know that God did pass over the Israelites, it's easy for us to impose our understanding upon the Israelites and think, well, of course God is going to pass over the Israelites. But put yourself for a second in the shoes of the Israelites who for the very first time are being given this commandment through Moses, their leader. And at this time, there's somewhat of an uncertain relationship between Moses and the people. Do we trust Moses or do we not trust Moses? And here comes your leader, and your leader gives unto you a rather different commandment, one that you have never heard before, in your life, that you are to go out and find this innocent lamb without blemish, kill it, and throw the blood upon the doorpost. And if you don't do that, your firstborn child is going to be killed. Well, who's to say that that's going to happen? How how do you know? Because the Israelites had no history against which to gauge what God was going to do in this particular circumstance. And so the fact that this happened for the very first time in history, and that the Israelites went out and did it, indicates that the Israelites had faith. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. But secondly, we see the faith of the Israelites revealed in this They trusted the Word. That's what faith is. Faith believes the Word of God. God had spoken through Moses and through Aaron unto the people. And regardless of the circumstances of their lives regardless of their relationship with Moses and with Aaron, the people believed the Word of God. And is that not the primary characteristic of what it means to be a Christian? 
A Christian is one who acknowledges the Word of God to be truth. And who then submits unto that Word of God. By faith, he and the Israelites kept the Passover because they believed the Word of God. By faith, we, this morning, celebrate the New Testament fulfillment of the Passover, the Lord's Supper. The Israelites looked ahead to the coming Lamb, the Messiah, whose blood would be splattered upon the cross for their sins, we, by faith, look back upon the blood of our Mediator and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ is our Passover according to 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. What God gives unto us in the Lord's Supper this morning is a picture of what happened at the cross. That as the bread is broken and as the wine is poured out, we have there a physical manifestation of the spiritual deliverance that God gives unto believers and unto their seed. For the Old Testament Israelites, it was the case that the Passover was not ultimately about that night, that 14th day of the month, Abib. But the Passover ultimately pointed them ahead to the coming mediator, Jesus Christ. That's why God commanded the Old Testament Israelites to repeat the celebration of the Passover again and again. God told, told Moses that this will be a memorial that you are to celebrate again and again. And if your children come unto you and ask of you what is the meaning of this, then you are to teach your children that this is why we celebrate the Passover, because God delivered us out of Egypt on that night. And this points ahead to what God is going to perform through the coming Messiah as God delivers us from our sins. And so it is for us then in this morning. As we come to the table of the Lord, we come by faith. Faith that unites us unto that Paschal Lamb, Jesus Christ. It is not because we have made ourselves to differ. Just as we said with regard to the Old Testament Israelites, that in many ways they had become one with Egypt. And how many different ways has not our self-examination revealed that we have become one with the world. 
We desire what the world covets. We want the power, the influence, the money, the ease of life that the world sets before us. And even where we have not become one with the world, how corrupt we are by nature, prone to hate both God and the neighbor. We have not for one moment made ourselves to differ. And yet we are different because of the sacrifice. At the beginning we said first and foremost the central aspect of the Passover it's about the sacrifice. It was the Lamb that made the Israelites to differ. And it is the blood of the Lamb that makes you and me to differ from the world. And so may we come this morning and partake of the Lord's Supper by faith, trusting His Word, believing Him when He says that where the blood is sprinkled on the doorpost, He will pass over and not destroy the firstborn of that home. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, We do thank Thee for Thy goodness, grace, and mercy revealed unto us. We thank Thee for the Lord's Supper, which Thou hast instituted for us, so that our faith might be strengthened, and so that we might be given confirmation of the work of Thy Son, Jesus Christ. Fill us with Thy Spirit, that we might partake Thy faith, cleaving not to the things of this earth, but beholding and believing the spiritual reality of the deliverance of our sins through Jesus Christ. Amen.